The third lesson that I wish I'd learned early on in my entrepreneurial journey was to have sufficient financial runway. And I fell into the same trap that I see thousands of other entrepreneurs fall into, which is to totally underestimate the financial runway. And I think the biggest culprit of that is imagination and Excel. Excel is a beautiful tool and it produces beautiful things. Yet, like I've said in my book, Lose the Business Plan, I've never ever seen an Excel spreadsheet predicting the future equal reality. It never ever has happened. And so you take five and then you add five and that's 10 and then you drag it and it goes 15, 20, 25, 30. And then you drag that and it multiplies by your, your sale price and it's very, very exciting and it just you just drag that. And you work out all your costs and you think you're very astute because on month 13, you've bumped it up by CPI, by your inflation index. And so it goes up in month 13, all your costs jump by 5% or 8% or whatever you've put in and you think you're very conservative and you've done that. And then you always create a nice graph and that graph looks absolutely magnificent. And then there is the break-even point and the break-even point happens in month 11. I always find that it happens in month 11 somehow and things are just dandy. And then you add up all the money that you need now terms of setup costs plus all your operating costs over the next 11 months and that adds up to a certain number and you say that's how much money I need and then you're even more prudent you add another 10 or 20 percent to that and so if that number works out to a million dollars you say I need 1.2 million dollars and then you look at this thing of beauty and it becomes reality and then you get a couple of more positive results as you're preparing and you think maybe it's not five, it could be six. Because six, actually, if you look at the exponentiality of six, six, twelve, eighteen, you know, 24, etc., look what it does to the bottom line. Six looks better than five and it's only one more than five. And look how much positivity I've had. So you then sneak it up to six and... Uh, Sure, I've done this, I know you've done this, and thousands of entrepreneurs that I've been exposed to who've come to pitch their businesses have done this too. Hi, I'm Gareth Armstrong, and you're listening to a Razor's Edge podcast. This series is all about learning from the lessons of others, more specifically, learning from the successes and failures that Alon Reyes, CEO of Corp, has experienced over the last 20 years. I couldn't help but chuckle as Alon was describing the way we have all used Excel at one point or another in our journeys. My first experience of this was as a teenager with an idea that had a few business people sit up and pay attention. Fortunately, at the time, I had a really good mentor that took me under his wing and explained that, just as Alon has described, my imagination was running away with itself and I needed to look more carefully at what the numbers were actually saying if I was to be taken seriously. This series and this episode is filled with similar guidance and questions from a seasoned entrepreneur and it is well worth having a pen and dedicated notebook to record your thoughts and impressions in. 
Let's rejoin Alon as he elaborates further on the financial runway mistakes that are commonly made. The two biggest mistakes that we make is to underestimate our costs and to overestimate our sales. We take all the promises that we have been given as we have gone out prior to starting our business from family and friends who've said they love the product or service that we have come up with and they would definitely buy it and we've extrapolated that into all sorts of assumptions and saying things like if we just get five new clients a month and then when you test the assumptions and say how do you get to five they give you some explanation and how did you get from five to ten or now six to twelve they give you well that's just six a month and the assumptions that they've made start to fray. And I'll get into that a little bit more just now. And I'm speaking about the majority of entrepreneurs generally go to friends, fools, and family. First, the three Fs, to go and raise money. So first of all, actually, they, they don't. They First, they go to their own savings and their own credit cards. They generally will go there if they can. And then they go to friends, fools, and family. And then they try the financial institutions. And then after that, they might try a venture capitalist or a, or an angel funder or perhaps even a private equity player that's playing in a, a number of spaces. So then they go to try to raise the money. And once again, they present the, these numbers and just by sheer percentage, the majority of businesses are funded by friends, fools and family and their own financial means. And so they tell the great story and then reality hits. And reality and that beautiful curve certainly don't look the same. Is this ringing any bells for you? Perhaps it's an emergency alarm, or hopefully rather just a reminder or two. But remember, although it may appear that we're talking about finances in this episode, we're actually talking about the implications and impact of not thinking carefully enough about our market, the environment, our production requirements, and all the costs associated with taking our product to market, and what this can ultimately do to our business. So what happens now is that the, the business starts to run out of financial runway. This becomes evident quite soon. And so the entrepreneur, instead of going out and selling their product or service and building their business, is spending a huge amount of time trying to get additional meetings with other funders to now fund the gap or, or the future growth now that they've realized that there is a huge difference between what they initially thought and what is now becoming more apparent. And so that has a knock-on effect that they're not selling as much because they are not focused on selling. They're now focused on raising money again the second time. I don't know who it was who once told me and i think it's out there which is always go to the well once when you go to go and raise money go and raise a significant amount of money that is in multiples of what you have calculated and any venture capitalist knows this i have uh, invested in a business the individual came to me on a sunday night told me how much money that they needed i as a maybe a novice investor at the time thought well this person's totally underestimated, so it's 2x. Well, the reality is it worked out to be 15x. Okay, still a good business. 
but it was 15x. It wasn't 2x, even what I as more conservative, 100%, whatever you said, I, I added 100%. And generally speaking, when entrepreneurs come to me for investment, is that I look at the numbers, I ask the questions around the Excel spreadsheet, and I then, in my mind, prepare for double the amount of cash flow required that they think. So what is beginning to take shape is the need to have a much deeper understanding of our strategy, the activities within our business, and how to fund the growth needed in order to achieve the numbers in our Excel document. Alana said we need to look at two areas, our sales and our costs. Let's rejoin him as he describes some of the detail we need to include when we are speaking to potential investors. But let's come back to that the assumptions part, the 5, 10, 15, 6, 12, 18, whatever the case may be. Very often when you start to interrogate those numbers, they are devoid of lots of logic. They're devoid of the most important thinking, which is seasonality. So seasonality is an incredibly important nuance to add into your budgeting, into your thinking. So if you were in the education space, most of your money is generated in the beginning of the, the education year. If you are in the retail, most of your money is made in December, around November, December, around Christmas, Black Friday, things like that. Those need to be considered. If you are in businesses that are related to actually the seasons, i.e. summer, winter, uh, you might find that if you are selling barbecues that your sales are higher in summer than in winter, and if you're selling heaters, your sales are much higher in winter and not in summer. And so that level of thinking affects cash flow significantly. If you haven't brought that into your, the way that you're building your budgeting, it affects cash flow significantly. When I see a proposal to me and there's this 5, 10, 15 environment, it immediately gives me a red flag that this individual is a novice. They haven't thought about seasonality in the business, therefore they probably don't understand that industry as well as they should, and that should be the first red flag to any investor in that business. But perhaps your business is more evergreen than not. Perhaps you're not locked into a seasonal approach. What then? But your clients have got their reality. They might generally buy at different times of the year, even though you might be able to produce it. And then you might want to go on holiday and your staff might want to go on holiday. So your production capacity is not available equally throughout the year. And you could argue then, well, I can make a plan for that. What is that in the cost based in, in your Excel spreadsheet? So of course there are businesses that are evergreen, but they also have got nuances in terms of production capability and how that business can produce the product all year round at that rate. And a great example of that is budget periods. You will find that you can produce all year round. Demand is theoretically all year round, but you will find that there are certain peaks and troughs because towards the end of a budgeting period, people might want to spend their budget. And so you see this huge demand at the end of budgeting periods to get rid of budget. And a slowdown at the beginning of a budgeting period as people are now considering what to do with their budget. So even though theoretically your product or service is evergreen, 
it's never evergreen in the sense of demand because demand fluctuates depends on the the nuances of your market and what's going on there to be conscious of that and know that makes you a, a better predictor of your funding requirement into the future what alon is trying to help us see is not every little detail or consideration but rather that we ourselves need to assemble our numbers and figures with the market the environment and as accurate an understanding of our production requirements as possible of course our sales dovetail and are inextricably connected to our costs so let's begin looking at these the second important thing now when you look at that that budgeting the funding requirement is all the cost base now to me the rule of thumb of doubling is what i do and it's just a catch all and maybe a lazy way for me to do that but whatever i think is the cost base required to generate the output i'll just double it so if you totally underestimate your costs which most entrepreneurs do and often i will sit with them and say well have you added insurance oops i forgot that have you added transport costs oops i didn't do that have you added the packaging have you added this have you added that have you added and and so on and so if you sit with them for a while all of a sudden these additional expenses add up so i use a rule of thumb of of doubling the expenses so now if i've doubled the expenses and i have that 5 10 15 rate which i also do effectively what it means to me is that whatever you thought the break even point was it lands up to be four times that if the business now has that sufficient capital for four times the time that it would take to break even then that's a far more realistic number to raise up front remember i spoke about going to the well once so that is the number that that rule of thumb that you you go for now if you go to a venture capitalist or a investor or an angel funder or even family and you show this there'll be this well expenses are too high and it'll take too long and I, i thought it was going to be in month 11 and now it's only month 36 or whatever the case may be 11 months sounded much better i'm going to get my money back in a year 36 months doesn't sound so good so i'm not going to give you that investment so the entrepreneur then realizes that if they are going to raise any money they're going to have to tell the first story that 11 month story in order to raise the money and then it once again has that knock on effect with now they're spending time to raise the second tranche etc so to me there is a balance i get the practicality of that and telling the story and having the practicality of not being able to raise funding if the story isn't strong enough but that leads us to the next part is to make sure that the story is strong enough and make sure that there's not the story is strong enough to raise money but actually the story is strong enough for this to be a sustainable business that can scale right now without making any adjustments or trying to justify anything away what story does your excel document tell what would you be saying to a potential investor have you doubled your costs while reducing your sales these are some big questions to answer and while they may feel somewhat pointed and even cause one to have the wind knocked out of one's sails it is these very questions that are going to save you and me a huge amount of pain and frustration later on Here's Alon extending this even further by sharing more of his thinking as an entrepreneur is presenting to him. 
I look at the margins. If the margins are sufficient in a business, and each industry has got a, let's call it a minimum margin, a GP margin, gross profit margin that it requires in order to do well. If your margins are sufficient, that means the only problem now, if you, if you control your cost base, the only problem is demand, is can you sell? Because your margins are right, that means they're taking care of the, not just the cost of sales, but they're taking care of the overhead of the expenses. Now the question is, are there enough people out there who are going to buy? at 5.10.15. Now you come to the practicality of the sales part of the organization. So I say to you, Gareth, well, if you're going to get the 5.10.15, if you're getting five new clients every month, how many calls do you have to make? How many people do you have to see? How much time is that going to take? And invariably, if you are building the business, you're balancing between selling and building the business and building the product and building your team, etc. You don't have as much time available to go and sell as you might have in a more stable business later. That means I need a salesperson. Have you got the extra salesperson in the cost? No, I don't. Had the salesperson, you know, what's the sales cycle? Is that three months, six months, etc.? They're not going to make sales for a while. And now you start bringing complexity and more thinking into the cost base. And once you start doing that, you start to realize, well, if I'm going to get 5, 10, 15, as I've said, or 6, 12, 18, which looks better, then that means a whole different cost base in order to achieve that. And then when I look at that, I go, well, my margins are insufficient to cover this because now I've got extra expenses and the margin that I'm so-called making is inappropriate for me to actually break even in month 11. And so it pushes it out. So this is a circular referencing process. And any investor with their salt will look at the cost base in relative to the sales and interrogate it in that way to see that there is an appropriateness between the two because they know the 51015 drag. Remember, we're talking about building your business where your financial runway is what is needed before takeoff. It isn't about painting a pretty picture for the investor. It is about the practicalities of getting your business up in the air. If you run out of runway, it may be disastrous for you and your business. Here's a final word from Alon. So, the lesson I wish I had known 20 years ago is to go to the well once with a well-thought-through financial model that is very conservative and takes into consideration time to sell, time to close, time to actually collect the money so that I don't have to spend my time looking for money all the time, which takes me away from the most important task, which is building the business and finding clients. Head over to racecorp.com where you will find similar resources and also the opportunity to sign up for notifications to stay updated. In addition to this, follow Racecorp on your favorite social media platforms where you'll find additional updates on when the next podcast is released. My name is Gareth Armstrong and I'll see you in lesson four where we speak about misunderstanding pivot.